So there's, there's lots of different things you can do to, to try to keep people engaged and interested. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 17. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Well, how's that for a little bit of false advertising for you? I'm afraid it's only two marketers walking to a podcast this week because Rob has gone off on his jollies because it's the summertime, of course. That means everyone's on holiday or vacation somewhere. So you're just with me. But of course, I will be joined by another cracking guest on this episode of Free Marketers. But we'll get to that in just a few moments because here at Response Suite HQ, we are beavering away. If you're not already checking out our blogs and our podcasts and all the other stuff that we do, make sure you do. And of course, you don't need to take any notes for this episode. Our grace in the office has already done that for you. You can check it out all at blog.responsesuite.com slash zero one seven and you'll see everything like that of course if you're not already subscribed to the podcast hey you don't want to miss out on any one of these amazing interviews that we've got lined up for you every single week make sure you do subscribe on your favorite podcast player and if you haven't already do leave us a review now one of the things that we all hear about when we get into digital marketing or online internet marketing is that everybody should have some kind of subscription or membership program and if you're anything like me you might have scratched your head for a while thinking what on earth could i offer that people will pay me on a monthly or annual basis in my particular niche because It makes sense that you really want to do it. It totally makes sense. After all, you spend all that time, you're, I don't know, bringing in the traffic, figuring out the conversion, you're paying for that traffic, it's costing you to convert those people, you're fulfilling products, and then in order to resell to those people that have already become customers, you have to create and invent and then sell them on a brand new product. Whereas, of course, as you know, if you just had some kind of membership program, a subscription of some description, you don't have to resell them on a brand new product you've invented every single month or regularly. In fact, automatically, they just get rebuilt for ongoing service of some description. The big problem that many of us have, and maybe you're in this boat as well, is you're trying to think of how does a subscription model work in your market or in your niche or whatever it is you do. Our guest this week, John Botel, is an absolute master of the subscription model. If you're anything like me, you'll think of subscription models mostly as things like membership websites or newsletters or something like that. John's actually gone into the physical e-commerce product area and turned that, which is normally a transactional e-commerce thing, into an actual subscription model. And the way he's done it is absolutely unbelievable. So if you are sort of scratching your head thinking, yeah, do you know what it is, Kennedy? I know I should be having some kind of subscription model where people are paying me week in, week out. And but you just kind of don't know how that fits into your into your model, into your market. John's got some really great ways of thinking about that and also some really great ninja tips on actually how to build a subscription model. So without too much more chatting on relentlessly, here is our man, John Botel. Hey, John, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's all good, Rob. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm delighted to be here. Really excited, really excited. Looking forward to this. So can we just take a little bit of an overview, John, of what is, what do we mean, about a subscription e-commerce business and why is it actually such a strong thing okay well probably the um the biggest uh, player in this in this market and the most well known and the easiest to describe kind of the whole uh system would be uh somebody like dollar shave club 
um, who effectively send you a physical product every month on a subscription basis. Uh, and in a nutshell, what that's pretty much it. It's, um, it's recurring revenue, but instead of it being from um, a digital membership site or something like that, you're actually physically sending somebody something. Uh, and in a nutshell, that's pretty much what I do. Okay. And what makes that such a strong business model these days then? Well, primarily everybody wants recurring revenue. Um, and uh, it, it's finding that avenue. There's two reasons why it's so strong. Number one is that um, e-commerce is, is so huge and is becoming larger and larger year on year because of the way that uh, people are changing their shopping habits. You, you know, you've seen it across the world. The, the more that um, internet bandwidth expands into different countries, um, high streets die, internet shopping explodes. And the moment when that happens, it opens up new markets to e-commerce people. Uh, and the best way to get recurring revenue in e-commerce is by doing one of these um, subscription models. Otherwise, you're relying on people coming back to you rather than it being automatic. So here's an interesting thing. People who sell digital products would sell you on the basis that when you create a digital product, you create it once. There's, nothing, there's, nothing, there's no cost to it other than your time to create it. And then you can sell it as many times as you want. Obviously, people might, might be worried about an e-com business because, well, now there's, there's stock and there's physical costs or there's something along those kind of lines. So sell us on the idea of having a physical product over a digital product. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't think it's an either-or situation, first of all. Um, I would recommend that everybody, uh, no matter what section of the online world they're in, should be diversifying into multiple different uh, niches, multiple different areas. Uh, everybody should have a digital membership site. They just should have one um, because uh, it's a great way for recurring revenue without, um, as you said, without any outlay in stock. Now, you can run a physical subscription business um, without holding stock and without being on... Um, you know, having to buy, uh, you know, a whole container worth of stuff that you're holding in a warehouse somewhere. Uh, there are absolutely companies out there that specialize in this kind of area and they, they will just charge you weekly for what you've shipped that week. So effectively, you're never really out of pocket for a long period of time. You only mm -hmm. ever pay for what you need. It's kind of on a pay-as-you-go basis. And, and does it work the other way around? So if you've got a digital product, could you like just, I don't know, print off some bits of it and then start mailing it through the... I mean, how does that work in reverse? Yeah, you absolutely can. I know there's a few people actually doing that quite well. They're, they're doing it slightly differently. They don't have it on a subscription, but they do have it. Um, uh, they, they've taken what was a digital online product effectively packaged it as a physical product. So they've either burnt it onto CDs and, and, and you know, uh, bound it up in some kind of nice folder. And they're actually selling it as a physical product. So it's, it's, it's kind of coming the other way around. It's gone from what years ago was always done through the mail mm. uh, in kind of, you know, CDs and, um, uh, and then DVDs. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose more recently kind of uh, just USB dongles. What was originally done that way and then went, fully digital is now swinging back again, back to kind of an e-commerce situation where people are sending digital stuff because people like the, the idea of having a, you know, like a folder and a binder and a plan that they can follow uh, in terms of, 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 of that kind of educational physical product. That's interesting because I was going to ask you next, my next question really was going to be around, do you think people want physical stuff? Like the educate, people often want sort of that instant gratification where they're like, oh, I click this magical button and suddenly all the information is instantly accessible to me. Are people, do you think people are moving back to wanting that offline stuff again? You know what I think, you know what I think it is? I think it's, to some degree, I think it's generational. And I think that a slightly older market, which is good for um, kind of the information space, the information education space, 
Um, an older market, I think, will prefer to have um, something substantial that, you know, it, it is um, a binder. It is a, uh, a set of CDs that they can digest and less of it being a, an immediate thing. They, they want something tangible and you can get a higher price for it as well because you're sending something tangible. I think uh, whereas, you know, a, 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 for a, a, you know, a digital course or whatever, you might be um, charging well, I guess it goes from everything, doesn't it? From nine ninety nine up to a thousand dollars, but certainly you can get more in the higher hundreds range for uh, a, a, an information product that's physical and sent through than you would do for um, a digital download. I think it's interesting how things go around in fashion, isn't it? We'll all be wearing flared trousers and fr- frilly shirts next, <laughs> and then our hair will be back in fashion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to let's get back onto the sort of subscription e-commerce so your sort of uh, bread and butter business if you like what kind of products work you mentioned dollar shave club and they obviously yeah. send shave products through the post what sort of products work for subscription e-com well generally they have to be um some kind of disposable product in other words they have to have a lifespan to them um they're, they're the ones that are going to work best now if, if anybody is is listening and they have an e-commerce store that, that doesn't have that kind of product in it. Um, you know, they're selling something, maybe something a bit more um, long-term, like, I don't know, phones or something, um, where it's not kind of on a subscription natural basis. There's always the opportunity to add digital memberships to subscription uh, to physical products uh, and just add them into your funnel. And you should be doing that. But in terms of the actual subscription of a physical product, it's always going to be disposable things. So, um, Personal care products, uh, razors, obviously, face creams, uh, supplements are, are really good. Anything that has a lifespan, ideally, of no more than 30 days um, are really good products for subscriptions that you can just ship out month after month after month. And, um, and obviously, your, your primary costs are always getting your, as it is in all business, is actually getting your initial customer. After that, the, the actual... Uh, profitability on those types of products is extraordinarily high. So you did mention the get the cost of acquiring that customer. What does that look like? What is the acquisition model for particularly that is particularly effective in a subscription e-commerce world? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, some people are particularly fortunate that they're very good at driving traffic. I'm actually at the other end of that spectrum. I'm particularly awful at driving my own traffic. Mm. So I learned a long time ago that I can, I could bang my head against the wall trying to crack that particular nut myself or, I can take the easier option and that's just get affiliates to do that for me. So um, in terms of what I do, I use CPA affiliate networks to drive traffic to, to those offers. And, and my offers are generally situated in, uh, we're just about to open up our first US offer actually, but generally I'm in Europe, so, which is obviously challenging because we have multiple languages. So it, it's a constant challenge for me and the affiliates, but uh, generally I use networks to do that and we pay on a per sale basis. So we only pay for customers once they've purchased. We don't uh, pay for traffic. I remember you used to have a system we talked about an event ages ago where it basically was costing you a lot of money to acquire your initial sale or something. So I think you had like a free like a free trial and that was expensive and getting the, the investment back on that was quite... Do you want to talk about that? And uh, have you shifted away from that now then? I kind of do a bit of both. I do, well, That's kind of... Um, most of the tr- uh, of of the continuity business, the subscription is is run through tr- um, effectively trials because it's a lot cheaper to get your sale through if you're just offering somebody the ability to try something for 14 days. If they don't like it, they can just cancel. Um, but around about 60% of everybody that takes one of our trials ends up being billed 
uh, and have new uh, product subscriptions being sent to them. So we, we lose about 40% in the first 14 days. But after that, we keep around about 50% month on month. So we have about a 50% churn rate uh, after that. Uh, and as long as you can work a calculator and, and know your, you know, your product costs and how much you're advertising, your, your sales are going to cost you. Um, it's a pretty simple calculation to run that, you know, X number of um, trials are going to cost you a fixed amount. You know that. And as long as your retention stays good, uh, you know, you're making money. So uh, it's a pretty simple business to run once you know your numbers. And you were saying that a lot of this is affiliate driven, other people sort of driving your offer to, yep. to, their, to their audience. What's the commission structure for that? Do you pay, there's a few different ways of doing these ongoing recurring commissions, which is obviously there's one model might be you pay a higher amount for the first month and then a lo much lower amount, if anything, recurring, or you pay a recurring amount. Which model do you use? It's, it's pretty much driven by the, um, the networks that we use. And most of them, um, they're not interested in, in taking the gamble on, on longer term subscriptions. So they basically want their money up front. I've always, I've always tried to get them, obviously, because it's much better for me if I had a lower upfront fee, but then paid them over the longer haul. But they really don't want that kind of business. They're more interested in just getting the immediate sale working that way. So essentially, we pay, uh, we pay on the entire funnel, but only for the initial sale, for the initial trial. So we lose, um, uh, and the costs work out around about $40 per trialist. Now, obviously, we know the trials are they're only paying for shipping, so we're only recouping around about eight to nine bucks per trialist. So it, it's a heavy loss leader for us on that initial sale, but then obviously we recoup that in the subscription as it goes forward. That's interesting. Obviously, one of the problems with, with membership or one of the biggest things you've got to do is it costs so much to get that customer in the, in the first place, like you said, and you want to keep them. So you said you've got a churn rate of about 50%. How, yeah. What retention strategies do you have in place to try and keep that as high as you can? Well, yeah, I mean, customer service is our number one priority. Um, we want people to be able to contact us fast if they have a problem. Um, we want to be able to, to solve that quickly. And we do, we do a number of different things. I mean, in terms of uh, declines, we have a, a cascading structure in our CRM system so that if a card happens to decline on a particular month, it's then tried again on a schedule uh, with also a, a decreasing value to the, um, to the rebuild. So um, our point of view has always been we'd rather get something than nothing. So we'll actually um, have a, a, a declining price point uh, based on the number of tries that the card has had. And uh, we, we managed to recoup about 15% of our audience that way. Uh, we also give free gifts month on month. Um, we offer electronic giveaways so that um, we give away like iPads every week uh, to, to customers who are still in the subscription. So there's, there's lots of different things you can do to, to try to keep people engaged and interested. But primarily, as long as the, the product, uh, in terms of the products we do, it's, it's all about the product. If they like the products and the product's working for them, generally they're going to want to keep on the subscription. Um, if they don't, no amount of, of uh, free chances of winning something is going to get them back. It, it, it comes down to the product at the end of the day. It has to come down to the product. Of course it does. And so the fulfillment of that product, one of the things that people will often look at with a, a physical product is, well, like you said, right at the top of this, uh, this chat, is do I have to have a huge container or a storage facility to store all of this there are companies there are options around other people doing fulfillment what options are around and what have you found to be really effective in your experience 
Well, I came through a, a slightly different route into this, this kind of um, marketplace in this particular niche. We, we actually already have our own warehouse and facilities because we manufacture products as well. Right. So uh, to some degrees, we had a, a, a slightly different angle. But I'll be honest, from being in this marketplace and seeing what other people do, most people aren't, aren't doing what we do. We do it because it gives us control over our dispatches and we can get products out and into customers' hands very, very quickly. But most people are using fulfillment services where they're, they're literally just, uh, as I say, using a pay-as-you-go model. So it'll be a, a manufacturer that's, that's literally um, bolted on a, subscri- uh, sorry, a fulfillment business to their existing business so that they can just take small amounts of product, private label it for you and hold that for you and just pay you pay as you go as you know how if you only sell a hundred one week, they'll just ship a hundred and bill you for it. If you do a thousand, they'll do a thousand and bill you for it. So you're never really out of pocket for any long period of time. And how would go how would somebody go about finding a fulfillment place that could do the kind of product that they, they want to sell? Uh, it, it pretty much comes down to, there's a number of, uh, of ways you can find them. Um, Google is your friend in this. And it's just what I, I tend to find, in, and you know that I've been um, doing educational products as well, Rob, but what I found with our students is 90% of people um, give up way too easily <laughs> when it comes to um, just even the simple things like searching out for suppliers and fulfillment things. If they, if they can't find something in five, 10 minutes, that's it, they're done. Sometimes these things take a little bit more digging around, but uh, Google's your first port of call. You would search for something like your product, uh, manufacturer slash fulfillment. Trade events are really good. So you'd search for, I don't know, if you wanted to be in the, in the beauty industry, there is, there's literally thousands of events happening all over the world. So I guarantee you, somewhere near you, an event is happening in the beauty niche right now where you can go to it um, and there'll be manufacturers there, there'll be wholesalers there. And literally, you have to get involved in your niche and understand your niche. And, and from that point, uh, you, you're educating yourself about who's available in the marketplace and talk to people because people are, are only too willing to, I've found anyway, I've never found anybody really want to close you out. Uh, most people are willing to give you advice and, uh, and point you in the right direction. That's really interesting just to get out there and get stuck in amongst it and just make things happen. Is there anything that you've found kind of that works in sort of typical marketing or maybe works with digital products or works in other businesses, but for some reason it just doesn't really fit in the subscription e-com world, something you just haven't been able to make work for subscriptions uh, in e-com that would work in other places? Yeah, it's it, kind of, yeah. I mean, as I said uh, earlier, the subscription business really works best with a disposable product. Um, when you haven't got a disposable product, you really yet you kind of have to think around the houses. How do you get that recurring revenue? Um, and there are ways and means of doing it, as I said. That, but the the main one that I found is if you have, a, and I use the analogy uh, of if you were selling cars, for example, it's very difficult to get a, a subscription business based on 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 automobiles. But there's certainly opportunities. It's going to be perhaps. Um, a discount coupon based so that you're going to, somebody's going to pay a month, a monthly fee and they're going to get some kind of access to a discount club where they can get savings every month or they could get, you know, free valets every month or, you know, discounts on oil changes, that sort of thing in, in the automobile business. Everybody should have recurring revenue is the, is the number one kind of take home from that. And if you can't add it naturally to your physical products, then you have to think, how can I go around the houses to do this digitally? I think that's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense. I think the big lesson is really that everyone should have recurring revenue. And I bet there'll be people who listen to this and think, well, yeah, but it just doesn't really fit for my business. You know, I sell 
you know, uh, hamsters. Not that somebody's not going to want to get a new hamster through the post every month, are they? So I think, <laughs> I think instead we can sell them the hamster supplies, you know, like extra sawdust and the things you do need every month. Are you really talking about sending hamsters through the post? Well, you know. Okay, without further ado, <laughs> let's move the hell along and we'll go into what we lovingly refer to as the quickfire round. Hey, hey. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. Okay, question number one of the quickfire round for you, John, is a book you recommend. Okay, well, um, there's a couple if I can if I can bend the rules oh, really quickly. <laughs> uh, the number one, well, the number one business book, and this this is how I clarify it. The number one business book that I think is really useful for anybody selling anything online um, would be The Ultimate Sales Letter by Dan Kennedy. Um, Reason for that is it's a really uh, quick read. It's a really applicable read. You can you can literally um, take something out of that pages and apply it immediately to your sales pages and have an immediate effect. Most people I find are pretty terrible at writing copy that sells. Um, they have they have no concept of it, and this is almost like a paint by numbers book. You can literally follow it and do it. Yeah. And the, the second book, which is more on a, on a kind of mentality based, would be um, The Alchemist by Paolo uh, Coelho. Uh, it, it's a great read. It's a, it's a novel. It's not, it's, um, it's not really a self-help book, but it is written uh, as a story that um, can expand your mind and, and greatly help you about um, you know, about seeking goals and stuff like that. It is very, very cool. On that, what is your favorite top success habit? Maybe something you do every day or every week. It's really simple and everybody listening can do this. Just get up early. (laughs) You know, I get up usually between 4.30 and 5 every day. Um, that those extra hours in the day where it's quiet and you're not being disturbed by anything else, by phone calls, by uh, anybody else, it gives you, you can multiply that. That You know, that, those couple of extra hours, getting up a couple of hours earlier, it is like an extra five hours in your work day because you can get so much done in that, in that productivity time. Yeah, so who do you look up to? A ton of different people, really. I mean, right. Um, well, I mean, the, the, a guy that I, I I admire for what he's done. He's in my space, but he's he's managed to explode his company into um, a, a really huge organization that is, is selling physical products, literally worldwide. Uh, from uh, every, you know, the sun will never set on his business. It's literally from from the Far East to Australia, Northern Europe, America. It's everywhere. Uh, and that's a guy called Thomas Cheng. Um, and people are uh, free to Google him. I'm not sure how they'll actually uh, uh, find him, but I mean, I imagine if you look hard enough, you'll be able to find him. But I imagine there's a number of Thomas Chengs around. But uh, he's in the e-commerce space, and he's an absolute marvel uh, at doing this. So I would say him. Amazing. How do you define success? I would define it as finding the perfect balance between uh, your family life and your work life. Uh, and I think that that is something I struggle with. Um, and continually try to strive for is finding a happy balance between the two. Um, I think that's the same for most people. It, it, it is a, a tough thing to find that, 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 that natural balance that works well. Yeah, it really is. And talking of balance, let's see if we can unbalance things by asking you, who do you prefer? Who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Kennedy, much as you're a lovely fellow, and I'm looking at your 
your, your beautiful picture in front of it on my screen right now. I have to say, I know Rob better, so I'm going to go with Rob. There we go. Most people who have met Rob and know him better have actually chosen me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the red hair, I'll be honest. It's the red hair. <laughs> and finally, uh, John, where can folks go to find out more about you? Uh, they, can, they can find out me if they just go to johnbotel.com. Uh, and that's John kind of, J-O-N. There's no way. J-O-N-B-O-W-T-E-L-L.com. And we'll to that. Yeah, if you, uh, if you just um, Google me, you'll be able to find tons of stuff about me. It's a pretty unusual name. Not too many of us about. Well, dude, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's cracking. been great. Thank you. All right, great to speak to you guys. And there you go. You even got to hear Rob's lovely sultry tones as well, because, of course, he was here when we did that interview just a couple of weeks ago. Rob will hopefully be back for next week. Will I be here? I don't know. Everybody's vacation schedule is sort of all over the place, but we certainly will be bringing you another podcast next week right to your ears. And as I said before, the interview just there, please do subscribe to the Free Marketers Walk Into a Podcast on your favorite podcast player. And if you're not already following us on the various social media platforms, just search us out at Response Suite and you can send us your questions, give us suggestions. And also, if you've got any guests that you would love to hear on Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Anyway, that's enough for this week. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Don't miss a thing. Miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.